When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to The Price of Football, the pod that follows the money behind the beautiful game. I'm Kevin Day and breaking off from his socially distanced, no more than six accountants, garden barbecue, is football finance expert at Liverpool University, Kieran Maguire. Hello Kieran, how are you? I'm very good, thank you very much Kevin. Yes, what's, what's been your media commitments this week? I know we're, we're recording at a strange time because we have to work around you and your various uh, escapades. What's happening? Um, I'm doing somebody in Russia. No, I shouldn't say that, actually. Um, <laughs> I'm, 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 re- I'm doing a university in Russia tomorrow. Oh. Um, I've got, I did, did uh, New York on Monday and uh, I'm, I'm doing something called Five Year Plan, which I think is uh, more, uh, more Croydon-based. Uh, well. It is more Croydon based. Yes, I didn't. When are you doing that tomorrow? Um, I, I need to check. I, but they've asked me uh-huh. to uh, talk talk about the the Palace accounts. Oh, good. Okay, yeah, we've got um, Jeff Thomas coming on as well, so that'd be nice. You can oh, meet cool. Palace Hero remotely. Uh, so you were in New York just before the riot started. So if anything happens in Russia, we'll know there's a there's a factor going on there. Well done. If there's, I'll look out on TV for uh, uh, thousands of women in Barcelona shirts in the streets of Moscow rioting. <laughs> Uh, anyway, so it's it's um, Thursday today, so it's uh, a news pod, as we say. Um, and coming up, we have a chat with Brian Caldwell, who's Chief Ex- Executive of Shrewsbury Town. Uh, I say we. Uh, Brian wanted to talk to the organ grinder, not the monkey, as they all do. Uh, but before that, Kieran, we have several stories from outside the Premier League, quite big stories. The biggest being that the Championship is coming back on the 20th of June, but... Um, some clubs are not happy, I think it's safe to say. QPR are, and I quote, appalled. Uh, are they appalled for financial reasons or for health and safety reasons? Um, I, I think there's a combination of football and non-financial or non-football related issues here. Um, the, the QPR uh, chief executive, Lee Hoos, said that they were given 40 minutes notice um, of, of coming back on, on, on the date. Um, and he said that this is driven by the fact that the EFL are desperate to get the season finished and the playoffs by the 31st of July. Um, his view is that uh, th- there's not enough time uh, for full contact training mm. before that takes place. Um, it's ignoring the clubs, but also it- it's ignoring uh, the doctors. You know, the-, the-, the doctors are individual clubs. They've not been consulted in this. So he's not happy. Um, Gary Sweet, who was a was was a guest on our show previously, he seems to think that it's coming back too quickly. And also, um, Barnsley are continuing to be uh, very vehement in their their protests, um, and they're saying that if football does come back and and clubs are relegated, then they should be given parachute payments of seven million pounds each um, to to compensate them for the lack of money they'll be getting from TV next season. Do, do the Championship have the same uh, prize money system as the Premier League? So the higher up you finish at the end, the more money you get? No, not not to the same extent. There's, there's effectively, there's, there's around about £7 million per club. 
um, which is split evenly. If you are chosen by Sky for a match, you get between, I think it's between 80 and £120,000, depending on whether it's a, a Tuesday night match, a Friday night match, a you know, Saturday lunchtime match. So, so the home clubs get a bit of money, but you know, that's peanuts compared to the, the Premier League. And if you're the away team that are chosen, you get 10 grand. And, and that's why we see the likes of uh, Leeds United being very angry about the, the way that the EFL TV deal works because Leeds, as we know, are sort of box office as far as the championship are concerned. Um, and they say they're not being rewarded appropriately for it. And presumably there are, there are no plans to show every game uh, or someone free to air as in the Premier League. I don't think there'll be anything on a free-to-air basis. Uh, that's certainly not been discussed as yet. Sky do have a contract to uh, to show qu- quite a few fixtures. I suspect uh, that uh, the EFL might offer them a few more in order to uh, minimise any uh, rebate that Sky might be claiming. Uh, but uh, in the EFL, they do have something called iFollow, which is effectively a subscription service. And um, if uh, if season ticket holders aren't taking the rebates which are offered to them. Um, this could be one way of ensuring that they get to see every match. Uh, clearly, if, if the club does have season ticket uh, fans, then they will have their their communication details, their, their email address, and they could perhaps send them a link to the iFollow service for free. Um, and also, it'd be a way of showcasing um, you know the, the nature of the beast uh, in terms of how these matches are broadcast, uh, but it's 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 one camera and one commentator, no pundits. You know, it's it's very much a pared down service that you get with iFollow at present. Yes, yeah, like the old days when they used to be able to get a video of every Palace away game when the club press secretary did a quite shonky commentary over one shaky camera, which I think he was holding as well. But I was looking at the league table uh, in the championship. There, there are probably eight or nine clubs who've got no chance of getting in the playoffs and aren't going to get relegated. So it seems to me that the unhappy clubs are coming from those those that group. You can understand why, with nothing riding on it, they would be reluctant to come back and play football. That's right. I mean, QPR, they're 12th in the table. Um, they're going to have to take staff out of furlough. There's, there's also going to be uh, you know, the costs of putting on matches, the costs of going to away matches. So that there's no financial benefit for uh, a club such as QPR. Uh, and, and one of the things that has been discussed um, at the EFL is having 20-man squads. Now, if you've got 20-man squads, then you've got to go and be paying bonuses for being chosen in the squad. So that's going to increase costs. There, there's, there's talk of allowing five substitutes, um, and most contracts have if you if you're a substitute who comes on you get extra money so yeah, there, there will be even higher costs incurred than than would have been the case had covid-19 not arisen um where and at the same time you've got less income so you can see um that uh, as far as these clubs are concerned that they're genuinely concerned about their their financial futures yeah, it's interesting, the substitute thing as well, because watching the Bundesliga, it's quite clear that the teams are taking full advantage of the the five-sub rule there. They're all using the five substitutes. Um, so, in effect, in the end of the game, you've got 10 new players on, but uh, they're saying it's a good way of blooding youngsters. But as you say, if you've got appearance money to, to throw in on top of that, it's going to actually cost clubs like QPR to play. And also, clubs like Charlton will be in a difficult situation trying to get 20 players on the bench because three Charlton players are absolutely refusing to play uh, come what may. 
That's right. I mean, it's, it's Lyle Taylor, David Davis, and uh, Chris Solly, who are the players involved. Um, Lee, Lee Boyer, I think he was he spoke um, on Talksport a couple of days ago about this, and and it was quite revealing. Um, and and uh, you know, Lee wasn't being critical of the players. He, he said in in the case of Lyle Taylor, he's out of contract at the end of June. Um, he's he's had a fantastic season. He was a huge reason why Charlton got promoted last year. He's he's a huge reason why they've still got a chance of avoiding relegation this season. Um, so he's in demand. Um, so so why sacrifice what could be a life changing deal for a player who's thirty? So so realistically, he's got one good contract left um, to to uh, potentially play for Charlton, risk getting an injury. And then this is what the player is concerned about um, under those circumstances. One of the other players, uh, a guy called David Davis, he's on loan from Birmingham and, and he's he's sort of had enough. He, he wants to go back to his host club. Uh, again, the, the, the loan deal uh, expires on the 30th of June. And as far as Charlton are concerned, potentially they've got 15 players they could lose on the 30th of June. Um, if, if they don't take up the, the the one month offer, which is which is being um, given by EFL clubs, by all accounts, yeah, Lee Bayer strikes me as old school. I imagine if he got COVID, he'd run it off, wouldn't he? But um, so these these Charlton players, it, it's for sort of career reasons rather than security and safety reasons. They're they're making this decision. Um, well, yes, yes, I mean, and you know, it, it's perfectly understandable. Uh, yeah. You know, for, whilst people, I think, become preoccupied with footballers and wages, you know, Lyle Taylor, as I say, he's probably got one good contract left. If he, if he can get a three or a four year deal from another championship club, Charlton have just come up from League One, remember? And and Lyle Taylor was uh, he originally came from AFC Wimbledon, so therefore he wouldn't have been on big money there. Uh, he would have been on a League One contract at, at Charlton, which presumably had a promotion bonus linked to it. But Charlton won't be paying the, certainly the average wages in uh, in the Championship. So he, he's he's made a decision, and he says, "Well, I, I do want to play, but at the back of my mind, every time I go in for a tackle, I'm risking not getting a decent contract from clearly a host of clubs who are interested in signing him for for next season and beyond." Yeah, I'm going to pause here briefly, Kieran, to make a quick apology to you and the listeners. Uh, if you can hear uh, a strange buzzing sound in the background, uh, it's rather odd. Uh, my little workroom come office has a fridge in it, obviously a beer fridge, but um, it packed up about a year ago. But for some reason, it's, it's decided to start working again. Uh, it's completely out of the blues, just decided to switch itself on. I was at a funeral yesterday, so now I'm worried it's my uncle uh, trying to get in touch with me by turning the beer fridge on that wasn't working. Um, but... I thought I'd better explain. Uh, also, it's slightly less sinister than the buzzing sounds we can hear in the background at your house occasionally, Kieran. But um, uh, let's move north of the border. We've, we, we, it's been nothing but bad news when we've spoken about Scottish football recently, unfortunately, from Gordon Strachan's comments to virtual civil war uh, earlier in the season about whether the season should finish. Um, but some better news this week for Scottish football with some talk about new investment. Um, yes, uh, I mean this has been um, semi-organised by by Anne Budge, who is sort of the, the chief executive at Hearts, um, and she's managed to find a, a philanthropist who, who's willing to 
uh, put money into the game and potentially help those clubs, especially in the lower leagues of Scottish football, um, survive un- until we have some form of proper resumption. So this guy is, is called James Anderson. He's he's been a, a big supporter of the arts in 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 Edinburgh. So I pre, you know, you're a you're a big fan of Edinburgh. You know, the, the Baroness. Yeah. That's where she comes from, actually. So mm-hmm. you know, we 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 love the city as well. Um, and and Hearts as a football club, they have relied on donations. They got three and a quarter million pounds in in 2019 from various people gifting them money to cope to, to help towards wages and expansion of the ground and uh, things of that nature. Um, so it it does appear very positive. Our, our friend Neil Doncaster, I believe that he has had uh, conversations with James Anderson. I think he's hoping to to get some sort of deal. Um, finalised. Um, the cynics are saying, what well, we'll hold on. If this is coming from Hearts, and Hearts are presently in a relegation place in in the Scottish Premiership, um, is, is is this does this come with conditions? But it it appears to date that uh, this guy James Anderson it just wants Scottish football to survive. So it is unconditional. It's, it's certainly the noises that are coming out so far. Um, and if it does go through, well, first of all, you've got to say hats off to him for. Uh, you know, for being such a, a generous guy, and, and you know that's 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 the the nature of uh, philanthropy. You know, they, they, there are good people doing good things, um, and it would be wonderful for those if it increased the chances of those forty two clubs being in existence. Uh, you know, this time if we have this conversation next year. Absolutely. No, Kieran, we know that Guy, our producer, half heartedly listens to this while he's doing his day job. But I'm just going to get his attention, Guy, uh, and Budge. I think we should get her on the show because. Very often when you talk about Scottish football, Kieran, and you talk about initiatives and good things, they seem to come from Anne Budge at heart. So I, she strikes me as a very interesting person, somebody we'd like to to talk to because we, we're we very aware that we've spoken to Neil Doncaster, but it'd be nice to get a, a club's view of what's happening in Scottish football because you know we don't hear enough down here about the problems they're having as well because they're, you know, if we're having problems, they're, they're multiplied up there. By, by 10 or 20 aren't they really absolutely i mean she's she's uh she's not a woman who's in my little black book so she's that's actually quite a rarity well, she's a, she, i was gonna say she's one of few really but so yeah the, I, I think the, the bees the bees are blank in your little black book are they <laughs> well not quite <laughs> yeah there's how many russian surnames start with b yeah no if we can get Anne on the show if, if someone can pass a message to her I'd, I'd be fascinated to talk to her because she she's somebody who clearly likes to think positively and likes to look for solutions rather than uh, just wait for somebody to help her out. So um, good news for Colchester fans as well. They, they've got the chance for a virtual day out in the playoffs. Um, yes, and I think this is an initiative that they've uh, that they've seen happen in the Bundesliga, whereby if you pay uh, £25, you can, you can send a photograph of yourself to the club. And what they're going to do, they're going to make you virtual fans. So they're going to stick your photograph um, on the terraces. Um, and uh, this has worked in Germany. And I think, I think it's gone down pretty well. Um, there, there have been a few abuses of, of the system in Germany. By all accounts, Harold Shipman has put in an appearance at a couple of matches as far as the photographs are concerned, which perhaps is a little bit naughty. Um, but uh, it, it does show a sort of a, a t- typical gallows humour that we see in football clubs. Um, but we've also seen that, that Cheltenham um, have followed suit. 
Um, they're in the playoffs. And, and what's going to happen is, I think this is a really cute, cute system. They've even offered it to away fans for the playoff game. Um, I think they're going to play Northampton, that the away fans can pay £25 and they can have their photograph in the away end as well. Um, it, it's raised 18 and a half grand. Um, at Cheltenham so far. So clearly the, the fans like the idea of at least their faces, if not their bodies, uh, being at match for these playoffs. Yeah, yeah. now which of us got the team wrong? Because I said Colchester and you said Cheltenham. No, no it, Col- Colchester and Cheltenham. Colchester oh, started uh, it um, and, and, and Cheltenham have subsequently followed suit. See, it didn't occur to me, for, that's how quick-witted I am. It didn't even occur to me for a second we could be talking about two clubs here. I just assumed one of the middle-aged idiots working on this show had made a mistake. Oh, the buzzing stopped. That's good. I hope that means my uncle is rested in heaven. Um, I didn't expect to use that sentence today either. Um, yeah, it's a good idea. The, the, like you say, though, the, the, I'd be too tempted just to send a picture of Yogi Bear with my face on it. <laughs> and of Yogi Bear in a palace scarf. But it is, as we as we learned last week, it's probably safer than getting inflatable sex toys like they did in Korea. Um, uh, now, we're talking to the uh, the chairman of Shrewsbury later on, but the chairman of Wickham uh, isn't particularly happy. He's told 15 members of the non-playing staff at Wickham Wanderers that they need to look for alternative employment when the furlough ends on the 31st of October, and they've cancelled all loan deals. Yes, so so this guy is um, Rob Kuhig. He only bought the club in in February, um, and I did have a chat with uh, people who are at the Wickham Trust. Um, say, yeah, why why you know, why are you selling out to a, a private individual? He's a solicitor. He's an American, and so on. Um, and and they said, well, you know, well, this is something again a show perhaps we ought to have in depth at some point in terms of fan ownership. We couldn't physically support the club financially anymore. It, it, yeah. it was in danger of going bust. So so Rob came in in, uh, in February um, and his fear that uh, if, if, the, if they do return to playing, um, you know, Wickham are presently losing £350,000 a month. Uh, we're looking at, he's looking at a potential COVID-19 cost of £2.5 million. So he's, he's had to get rid of 15 non-playing staff who are on furlough or rather say to them, um, at present, the club uh, pays the remaining 20%. So up to the end of May, uh, the government under under the, the grant scheme pays 80% of salary and the club pays the, the 20% top up. From the 1st of June onwards, the club doesn't have the money to pay the top up. And, and realistically, he, he can't guarantee them a job when furloughing ends. So he's said, Look, I'm going to have to suggest that you... Um, carry on by, by trying to find yourself alternative employment because the numbers don't stack up. And, and if it's happening at Wickham, it's got to be happening a lot of other clubs as yeah. well. And I think, yeah, we have hinted at which was some of our concerns beforehand. Um, and, and it's a genuine worry for lower league football that how is it going to continue when it's so reliant upon turnstile-based income um, in, in the future if, if there's no guarantee as, match, as to when matches are going to return before a paying audience? You're absolutely right about um, fans' trust, supporters' trust. <clears throat> I think we probably do need to have a special pod on this, this subject because it, it strikes me that quite often when we talk about them, they are just a holding solution. They, the, the fans take over the club and wait for somebody who can properly afford it to run the club rather than actually being able to take the clubs forward and develop it. So I think that's something we should probably look at and, and compare and contrast a few of the supporters' trusts out there because there are quite a few in the lower leagues, aren't there now? There are. I mean, Exeter have one and they've 
they've they've done pretty well. Um, in, in Scotland, it seems to be more successful. If you, if you take a look at the likes of Motherwell, um, and I think Partick are effectively going to go that way. Thanks to that was thanks to the legacy of of the fan who'd won the lottery and then subsequently yes. sadly passed away. Um, but Mother, Motherwell seems to have got it really well organized but it it is a challenge if you talk to anybody that's involved in the likes of Pompey and Wickham and so on that they they will tell you that it's a lot of hours for for little reward you know and they don't they're not looking for financial reward it's it's a bit like us on our this podcast you know you're doing it for love not money (laughs) yeah it'd be nice to do it for both though wouldn't it I'm happy to do things for love. And as we know, with you in Moscow, Kieran, you, you can do things for money as well. Um, now, I, I know, uh, well, you know that my notes on this occurs. I like to be surprised. So <laughs> that's my excuse for not doing too much research. But I've got two things written down here now. And I generally don't know whether I wrote these this morning because there are two things here that have probably been on a third of the notes that I've written for this pod since we've been doing it in October. Um, first of all, Macclesfield Town have been issued with more misconduct chances uh, charges by the EFL. Yes, um, and, and this could be uh, this could be a, a game changer in terms of who gets relegated mm. from League Two. Um, Macclesfield, if anybody, yeah, yes. Well, that's true. Um, Macclesfield uh, didn't pay their their wages in March. Um, so therefore, the EFL have charged them with financial misconduct. Um, March would, was the sixth time this season that they failed to pay wages. Um, by all accounts, they have just paid the May wages, so that they're now up to date. Um, so if this charge goes ahead, Macclesfield are presently three points ahead of Stevenage, but they do have a better goal difference. Mm. So depending upon how the sitting of the panel operates um, and, and the extent of the penalty, um, if clearly if it's, if it's more than three points, then they drop into the relegation zone. And, and the cynic in me says, well, that gets rid of a problem for the EFL and creates a problem for the National League. Because yeah, Macclesfield's record in terms of tardiness when it comes to wage paying is has been absolutely disgraceful um, over the course of the last couple of years. And the EFL, they, they've they've given them two points deductions. The matches have been cancelled because players have refused to pay. Clearly, you know they're, they're a they're a logistical nightmare to deal with. They're an administrative nightmare to deal with. But but still, we are talking about a football club which has fans, which employs people, and so on. So. It could be that uh, Macclesfield will be relegated on the basis of three lawyers, um, which which doesn't doesn't fit easily with with me as a football fan. It, uh, I mean, I, I'm struggling to find words that won't get bleeped out. To be perfectly honest, um, I mean, it, the EFL would be helped out of a, a, a Stevenage-shaped hole as well because they're making loud noises about potential legal action if they go down without actually playing any football. The, the thing with Macclesfield, and the same as other clubs, and I, I don't know how you get around this, but it's just, it's, it's the club owner that should be sanctioned. I don't, if, surely they can find a way that doesn't punish the club and the fans for the misdemeanours of this man who since he first came, I mean, he's barely been set foot in the town, let alone the club, and has, has run the club into the ground. And yet, it's the, as you say, the, it doesn't matter that there's only... 3,000 regular Macclesfield fans. It, it, to them, it's it's everything. And it's just, they, they shouldn't be punished for one... Oh, yeah, anyway, yeah, I'm sure you agree with me, don't you? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. Um, and the second sentence, which I basically I've been saying every second pod since we started, um, strange goings on at Bolton Wanderers. 
Um, yes. Um, over the course of the last couple of days, um, there's been a couple of mortgages uh, appearing um, for a company called FVWL Limited, which stands for or Football Ventures Whites Limited, who are born are Bolton's new owners. Right. Um, so they bought Bolton Wanderers from the administrators last year. Um, and then these documents appeared. Now, I, I managed to have a, a quick conversation with a guy called Mark Isles. Mark is the the Bolton Wanderers uh, local newspaper, the Bolton News. Yeah. He's their he's their their main guy when it comes to reporting on the club. Um, and as you know, I've I've had dealings with Mark. We we we, we both used to appear with uh, alarming regularity in in the in the chairman's notes. Because anything that was critical of the club, he used to go and start by giving a load of snide comments about the pair of us um, or, or anybody else that was critical. So that was Ken Anderson, who who is in high, high on my list of uh, football owner scumbags. I think it, he's he's only just behind Steve Dale. And, and that's, uh, that, wow. that's saying something. Um, so the... The administrators came in, they ran Bolton, and the new owners, Football Ventures, took over. But by all accounts, they've not paid the full sums due to the administrators. Um, And so, therefore, the administrators have effectively said, well, we're not entirely happy. We're not entirely comfortable where where things lie. So we're going to take out a mortgage on the outstanding debts, which are due to us. but uh, the club has come out with a, a statement this morning to say, well, this is just paperwork which has been delayed. It's all in the normal course of business. So that could very well be the case. The club is saying that uh, all payments are up to date. And again, Mark confirmed that. But uh, clearly, the, the administrators are taking the view that if things don't go right, we, we need some form of recourse. Um, and then 24 hours later... Um, a company called Fildraw, which is also owed money by uh, Bolton Wanderers. Now, Fildraw was it was a trust which was related to the former owner of Bolton Wanderers, Eddie Davis. Uh, Fildraw, I think, is based in Bermuda, but it's owed. It was owed. You know, we're talking millions of pounds by the club. Uh, it too has taken out a mortgage, effectively saying that if payments are not made in time, this this will give us the right to take over some of the the assets, potentially including the property of the club. So. It, it's not great news. It, it's not necessarily bad news either. Uh, it could simply just be, the, yeah, as the club are claiming, uh, it, it's paperwork. Um, but Bolton Wanderers fans have been, too, been through too many heartaches and, yeah. and too many, too many sort of you know five to midnight moments over the course of the last uh, couple of years to to be welcoming this with open arms. Yes, I've known you long enough to realise that when you say it could very well be the case, you mean exactly the opposite of could very well be the case. Um, I I do wish, we've had this conversation before, I do wish companies that set themselves up to buy clubs wouldn't give themselves these such sub-James Bond front names, like football ventures. Just it's We had a couple a few weeks ago, it's just... Call themselves something. You, you, you immediately get suspicious when you, you find out, A, they've been set up to buy the club, and B, they've got a stupid name. Anyway, but neither of us are in a very good mood today, are we? I've got a post-funeral hangover. You haven't. What's your excuse? Um, well, football club owners being arseholes. Oh, fair enough. And scumbags. Yeah. And scumbags, yeah. Yeah. With, 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 basically, the reason this pod exists, so we shouldn't get too humpty with them. To be um, Now, the final question is, is uh, final question, the final subject before we get on to the interview with um, the Shrewsbury Town Chief Exec. Um, 
We've spoken a lot about uh, season ticket refunds and, and people choosing to give them back to the club or academy or, or foundation or whatever. Darlington fans have been doing a bit more than that. Darlington fans have been putting their hands in their pockets. This is a good story, isn't it? Yeah, th- this is this is a really good news story. And um, you know, I, I remember going to Darlington for my 35th birthday. Um, which, not with which the is, Baroness, surely. <laughs> not with the Baroness, no. Not many people can claim that. Uh, but we lost two nil that day, so it wasn't wasn't a good trip. Um, but uh, yeah, Dar- Darlington is is an old school club. Uh, you know, it, it has dropped out of the football league as we've known for a few years, and, and like many other clubs, it, it's living on a week to week basis. Um, but what they've done is they've set up something called the Boost the Budget campaign um, for, and they set that up during May, and, and they've raised one hundred and thirty one thousand pounds, which is yeah. an amazing achievement and I think this this does show just how much football clubs mean to individual fans and I went on to the the sort of the, the crowdfunding page that was set up and some people have just been sending in a pound or they're going to commit themselves to a pound a month but it's it's not the amount it's the fact that they've done it and they want to feel part of Darlington and Darlington's part of them um, is really good but what what I did like is is the is the club are going to Give a series of different rewards, which are some are going to be drawn out of a uh, effectively out of a hat each month. So there, there are going to be fan experiences. Uh, you can be a co-commentator for the for the fans based radio show during the match. Get me, which if, if I was that, I, I think there'd be an awful lot of bleeping taking place. <laughs> um, you can you can design a concept kit which will go for a vote before fans. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, so that, 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 yeah, I, I'd, I'd love that. Um, you, you can. Try Travel on the coach to an away game. I think they've done that for three or four seasons. Or the one which appeals to me most of all, um, you you can pick the pre-match playlist. Nice. That would be 1979 heaven yeah, for me, I, wouldn't I, it? Yeah, you'll, it'll be the only game where people don't turn up till a minute past three. It's like, no, let's not take that risk. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, yeah, I, I, when you, you got so excited there, I thought one of the prizes on offer, on offer was to run a sex shop for a weekend. Um, it's Darlington. It's strange because they've got that amazing stadium as well, which still makes you do a double take every time you see it. Because it's, I mean, was it the old stadium when you went up there? And you it, it was. It was Feetums that I went to. So yes, it's another Feetums, one of those yeah. those grounds that I, I would like. It was. Was it George Reynolds, the safe breaker? Who, the, the convicted safe breaker. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. yeah. So it's 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 another one to tick off on my list uh, in due course. Yeah, he was a proper old school wrong and owner. I, I kind of miss the days of people like him who just happily admitted that he was a convicted safe breaker and wanted to buy a football club, presumably with some of the proceeds of the safes that he'd broken into. At least at least he hid in plain sight as a Roggen, didn't he? Um, now, Kieran, we are fast becoming the place for club chairs and CEOs. Um, I don't know why I wrote club. I wrote club chairs in a bid to not be sexist, but they're virtually all men, so I could just, should have just said club chairman. But club chairs and CEOs to air their concerns. And just a few minutes ago, uh, well, no, it wasn't a few minutes ago, it was... 35 minutes ago, because Kieran can uh, double task, but he can't double task that well that he can interview somebody while I'm interviewing him. Uh, Kieran spoke to the chief executive of Shrewsbury Town, Brian Caldwell, and Brian had some uh, quite strong opinions. This episode of The Price of Football is brought to you by the AI-powered workspace Notion. What if you had access to tomorrow's tools today? In Notion, You do. It's the AI-powered workspace where any team can turn ideas into action. My career is sort of a bit like being a butterfly, and I'm always jumping from project to project. 
So therefore, Notion helps me from summarizing meetings notes and automatically generating action items to getting answers to any question in seconds. If you can think it, you can make it. And Notion is for everyone, whether you're a Fortune 500 company or a freelance football finance lecturer. You can try Notion for free when you go to notion.com slash price of football. That's all lowercase letters, notion.com slash price of football and start turning ideas into action. That's notion.com slash price of football. Hi, I'm Steve Lamack, and every week I'm joined by Music Allies Head of Insight, Stuart Dredge, on The Price of Music, the weekly podcast all about the money behind the music industry. In each episode, we discuss the very latest goings-on in the music business and dig into the finances behind the big stories. So whether you're a music lover who just wants to know more about what really goes on in the industry, or you're an aspiring musician, manager or label owner who wants some inside knowledge on how Spotify's financial model really works, or what the future holds for independent live music venues, this is a show for you. Subscribe to The Price of Music in your podcast app now. See you soon. Thanks very much for, for joining us, Brian. How are you and how's everybody at Shrewsbury? Um, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me on today, Kieran. Um, now everybody's well. Um, just trying to navigate our way through um, the issues that we're all facing as football clubs just now and kind of getting used to working from home, if I'm honest, as well, which is, I don't mind it because I can still operate um, as normal, but it's it's difficult times and challenging times for, for all football clubs and not just football clubs, but all businesses, I think, just now getting through this COVID situation we're in. Absolutely. And has anybody uh, at the club, have they, uh, has anybody uh, contracted COVID or have you been free of this this horrible disease to date? Uh, we have had one member of staff that tested positive for it at one point and we've had a few of the uh, players as well who have um, shown symptoms, but um, and obviously at the early stages because on a weekly basis, all the clubs are having to um, well, it was bi-weekly at first and now it's just weekly. We have to report to the EFL of what, any players with symptoms and any players that are self-isolating and how many players are available as well. So we've been keeping track on, on all the players, but unfortunately just now we've got, we've got no, nobody with any symptoms or anybody carrying anything. So hopefully it's a clean bill of health as far as I'm aware just now. That's great. And, and in terms of... Uh, training are, are the players uh, training by themselves at home, or have they started to come back in any way, no, shape, all, or form? No, they're all training from home just now. Um, it's almost like a, a a closed season. I think the players are treating it that way, trying to stay fit over this period when there's been no games, which is obviously increasingly difficult for them because a lot of them are keen to get back and, and train as quickly as possible. But you know, we we furloughed all our players and most of the the football staff as well. In fact, a lot of the club staff too, just to get some um, some of the grant back, which kind of helps us get through this difficult period. Um, so the players are all just doing their own thing, um, just now, just training from home or whatever. And obviously, the weather's been good too. A lot of them are going out cycling and uh, doing long runs, etc., just to try and tick over until. Well, when we know what's going to happen with the with this 2019-2020 season and then obviously the start of 2020-2021 season after that. That's, that's understandable. Right. And so uh, is, is it right that there's there's a vote now taking place on the 8th of June? And certainly from an outsider's perspective, reading uh, sort of what's happening in the media, uh, there's 
not a not not a universal opinion as to how things are going to go forwards. So, so what's uh, what what Shrewsbury's position? I mean, you're sixteenth in the table. Realistically, yeah, the playoffs seem unlikely. Relegations unlikely as well. Um, what, what's your what's your viewpoint as how the season should finish? I mean, I've been quite clear on this, and we we put an open letter to all our supporters a couple of weeks ago just to try and explain everything and just show some tr- transparency. Um, we we feel first and foremost that bringing players and staff back um, from a health point of view isn't necessarily correct at this time. Um, I don't feel comfortable and we don't feel comfortable as employers. We have duty of care as an employer to look after our staff. Um, and it, people say to me, oh, but it's just football players, they're all fit. You know, it's very unlikely for them to contract the virus. But I think we also have to be aware that you know, there might be a backroom staff there who might have underlying health issues. We might have, you know, older older people working. I mean, our assistant manager, for example, is 65, Graham Barrow. You know, bringing them back into an environment where there's an element of risk, it doesn't sit comfortably with me. And then if we did have to play the games, uh, we would obviously need some kind of stewarding operation to make, ensure that it was a sterile area and, and no supporters were getting in, etc. So we would then need an element of stewards there and, Obviously, I then need to take people back, bring people staff back as well. You just don't know who's got underlying health issues, and so I've not been comfortable at all with the with the health side of it. First and foremost, which I think sometimes in life, health comes before anything else, and um, that's been the most important thing for me. Secondly, it would be financial suicide for us to um, to start restarting the season. And I know it's probably easy for me to say because we're in that kind of mid table. Area whereby you know there, there's not a lot to play for over the last ten games. Hopefully we were you know we were safe where we were etc. Um, but you know when you take when you take the cost of if if we had to bring players back to play these remaining ten games, then there's the loss of the furlough money. And I know it's been disputed by certain people about how much it's actually going to cost. Um, but like when you actually work out the furlough money for players coming back to train for four or five weeks and then play the games for four or five weeks. You know, from our point of view, I worked out it was roughly about £230,000 straight away. Um, on top of that, you've got the testing costs of £140,000, taking you to three seventy, And then you've got like some match costs, etc. which when you start and add that up, you know, we, we've still got Sunderland away to play. We would have, we've also got Southend away as, as two examples of, you know, looking at that, we, we would probably need to take three, uh, coaches to transport all the players and staff to, so that we're still social distancing, which is obviously got a cost. You know, they need single rooms and hotels. So you start and add that up. And, you know, you know, I've, I've put it out openly that you're probably looking at a, a half a million pound loss with little or no income coming in to, to cover those costs. So for clubs at League One and League Two level, I can totally understand why, you know, we're all, most of us, if you like, are, as I see it, um, are feeling that, you know, why should we suddenly spend half a million pound at a time when we've not got any income coming in um, and it, to, to to spend that kind of sums of money, which a lot of clubs don't have at this time. And that, that seems a very logical thing to say, because I was looking at the comments from the, the Wickham owner, um, you know, they, they are, they, they've got players out of contract, they've got players on loan. Uh, clearly, Lee Boyer has also been talking to Talksport with regards to some of his players being reluctant to play beyond the thirtieth of June. Um, is, is that something which has been potentially discussed with players? And, and also, is it is it logistically fit possible to restart the season, finish off ten games, and then to have clubs playing three playoff games in by? 
presumably the, the very latest at the 31st of July. Um, and that's it. That's assuming that you're going to get players on board um, in, in terms of extending contracts. Well, uh, t- taking the contract situation, I mean, there's a we can now extend a player's contract for the month. As it stands just now, if a player's out of contract on the 30th of June, then the club is duty-bound to pay them the full month's salary, which is regarded as a severance month, whereby if they haven't found another club with the same amount of getting paid the same amount of money over July, then all clubs are duty-bound to pay um, the full salary over July. So, you know, there's been... There's a new... Um, document came out whereby players could sign up for another month um, just purely to cover them from a registration point of view if we had to play uh, during July but you know I, I've got to think I mean I've had a player from another club actually contact me in the last 24 hours asking my advice on it somebody I've known from previous and he's asking you know that you know why should we, why should we sign this you know we're, we're really concerned about playing again you know if, if we had to or being registered again because you know we're out of contract at June and the club are only potentially looking to to sign us for one month. You know what happens if we break down in training, get injured in training, get injured playing games in that month, with only a month's contract basically an offer. You know what's the outlook for them going forward? You know they're losing the opportunity to go and work and, and get employment elsewhere if the club didn't want them beyond July. So I think it's going to be very difficult to persuade players, and and I can actually totally sympathise with the players because if I was in their shoes, I'd probably be looking at it like that as well. You know, why would I risk injury to play out the month of July beyond the end of my contract with no um, no safeguard there for me potentially having income from August onwards? And I think there's there's a lot of risk in that. Um, and, I, and I can see it's not something we've spoken to our players about because I've always been of a mind that, well, when I'm not comfortable with it, but two, I'm, I'm kind of hopeful that common sense will prevail and the season will be curtailed next week at some point. Um, there'll be obviously a vote on Monday for the, reg- the change in the regulations and then we're expecting a vote quickly after that to um, to decide whether you know we curtail the league, especially in League One, which seems to be, I would say, mixed. But it's probably, from what I'm understanding, most clubs are um, are keen to curtail the league season. OK, and how how do you feel? I mean, have you seen the, the comments from... Uh, Mark Palios, you know, they're going to be relegated by 0.14 of a point. Um, do, do you think there should be promotion and relegation on the basis of uh, you know, points per game or uh, is, is that a separate issue? It's a very difficult one. And, and what we have to always remember, we're in unprecedented waters here. You know, it's unprecedented circumstances we're in. You know, how do we deal with that? You know, I spoke to Mark at the weekend about his proposal. Um, and, and I understand, you know, if anybody we should be sympathetic towards in the current, you know, curtailment process, it's Tranmere Rovers because Tranmere are three points behind. We're on a really good run before the COVID hit. Um, and, and, and I think all clubs have got a lot of sympathy for Tranmere. The difficulty then is just trying to get something that fits within the rules that actually suits you know suits a lot of clubs and at the end of the day everybody's going to vote for self-interest I get that you know we all we all make decisions based on what's best for our football club which we all should do um, but I think everybody has sympathy for Mark but I think it's very difficult to come up with something whereby it, you know it's going to suit everybody um, my initial feeling was that perhaps we should promote just promote teams don't have any playoffs and don't have any um, don't have any relegation, uh, but obviously that the issue with that is that the, you know the potential for the the Premiership could then say well if you're not having relegation in certain leagues it opens up a 
an avenue for no relegation from the Premier League and then the knock-on effect throughout. Um, but you know, there's no listen. There's no ideal scenario out of this. It's you know, and perhaps if I was in in Mark's situation, I'd be be fighting the same way he is, which we can totally understand. And having spoken to a number of clubs in League One over the last week or so, I think everybody's very sympathetic to the the Tranmere viewpoint. The points per game are weighty points per goal game. And, you know, listen, there's no ideal scenario. Mark did a paper which was if you did um, if you if you looked at the probability of you know the the margin of error, shall we say, with points per game, you know, over three years. But then, if you know, then there was a university did a study over with far more data and proved that actually, you know, what Mark has put forward potentially wasn't accurate because they used far more data. Listen, it's, it's a very difficult circumstance, and unfortunately, whether there's, there's always going to be winners and losers in football, and sometimes you. There's the unlucky ones, but I think, but we all think we all genuinely do feel for the Tranmere situation because it's very difficult for them, you know, and it must be very frustrating for them too. Absolutely. I mean, if if the vote is that play does continue, how how will that impact upon you? Because there's been talk about twenty match squads, twenty man squads. There's been talk about five substitutions, um, and then you've got the the health issues of you know. It's not good to ha- to have effectively a, a curtailed preseason or whatever whatever we're going to call it, um, and to come back and to expect players to play ten games in in you know, five weeks is, is is that realistic or is it just simply a case of as you said before we're in uncharted territory and therefore uh, we've just got to go with it. Yeah, but it, uh, I'm hoping that we don't have to play again. I think the general feel, as I say, the general feeling is that from clubs that we probably won't in League One. Um, it's it's going to be difficult. I mean, there's talk of potentially the the season restarting at the end of September. I think now that the Championship have declared that they're going to play again, you've then got to think that all the games would be in line with with you know them finishing this season playoffs etc. And then when do we restart again? Which maybe the end of September does make sense, but we've not had anything formal about when the season would restart. I think from a you know, I speak to the, our manager Sam Ricketts a lot about you know how how would you work pre season? How do you deal with it? You know, the players already they're talking about three weeks pre season to get players up to speed to play the remaining games of this season, whether it's the Championship, Premiership, or whatever. But I mean, his opinion straight away is that three weeks isn't enough because they've had so many weeks off. Is it ten weeks or whatever they've had off now? You know, to, for them to get up to speed, I mean, a normal pre season is six to eight weeks, and and basically they've been off for that length of time that you would probably merit six to eight weeks so uh, it's going to be very very difficult as I say it's there's no ideal scenario here I think we all, we all want football back but we all want football back at a time when it's safe um, and and it's, it's the right time for everybody to come back and then we've obviously got the, the crowds into stadium issue which is another financial problem we've all got to Absolutely that's that's absolutely brilliant. Well, well thank you so much for, for giving us your time uh, Brian, I you know, really appreciate it, and uh, you know, good luck to Sam and, and the boys. You know, and as as a fan, you know, I, I want to be going to the grounds. And you know, if it's professional football without fans, it, it's not what everybody signed up for at the start of the season. So uh, I can fully understand that from a from a financial perspective, it's putting a huge strain um, on you. And I just hope that uh, you know you come through this as do all the other clubs and we as fans have something to celebrate in a few months' time. Well, I think if you look at the League 1 and League 2, League 1 and League 2 as a proportion of our turnover, our club's turnover at our level, you know, the supporters coming into grounds is 
a far higher percentage as you go through the leagues because obviously in the championship they're getting seven and a half million central monies and the premiers are getting a hundred plus million. So as a proportion of a ticket income, it's it's a far smaller percentage. Whereas in League One and League Two, you know, we we all need that ticket income. We, you know, we need the gates, and it's not just the ticket income; it's the catering monies, it's the hospitality monies, and it's all the ancillary monies and income streams that you then get from um, from having football matches. So, as you say, the sooner we can get crowds back in, uh, the better. You know, there has been some studies showing that perhaps coming to football isn't actually put you at massive risk because it's an outdoor sport. So. Um, Hopefully, we can get through all this, get through the end of season scenario, and and get moving and get crowd, as you say, get crowds back as as quickly as we possibly can, supporting our own teams. Very much so, uh, and I've I've not been to your new ground yet, so I've, I've been to the old one on many an occasion. So it's it's on my tick list. So I I, I am desperate for uh, for us all allowed to be allowed to come back at some point soon. Always welcome, Kian. Okay, thank you very much, Brian. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. Cheers, Kian. Thanks. So, Kieran, I think it's made it fairly obvious he doesn't want to go back to playing football, does he? Absolutely. Um, and you can understand it, as he said. He called it financial suicide. Um, and he also said that as an employer, he's concerned about his staff. He's got, you know, as he said, people in the back office. Uh, he's got a, he's got an assistant manager who's 65. Why put their lives at risk when you're, you're 16th in the table and got nothing to play for? Yeah. Yeah, I've always had... Um... Not soft spot. You know my views on having soft spots on other clubs. But uh, Brian Moore, who was my football hero, along with George Best, Brian Moore was the the commentator on the London Weekend Television Football. At least once a season, they'd have thirty second highlights of Shrewsbury on uh, for some reason, and Brian Moore would just crack up because they remember they used to have a little man in a coracle used to go and fetch the ball from the river if it went out uh, and. So I used to like shows because they made Brian Moore laugh when I was a kid. That's how simple things are when you're that young. And also that brilliant yellow and blue kit. Um, it's it's always interesting to hear from people who run football clubs. So if anybody else out there wants to come along and talk to Kieran, I'm happy to sit out. I know my place. Uh, please do get in touch with us. Um, and if you have questions you want to put to us, uh, our next pod will be on Monday, which is our questions pod. Email us on questions at Price of Football. Dot com. So, Kieran, you're off to Russia, is that right? Uh, yes, I'm a Russian university, and yeah. uh, I'm, I'm I'm appearing on a panel with a QC this afternoon as well. Are you really? Where do you, you're busier in lockdown than you ever were before this happened. Before this happened, you and I had time to go for a pint. Well, I had a pint. You had a that bizarre lime soda water thing. I don't. Oh, your in your stomach must be lime soda corroded terribly, but. You, you you had time for a chat then, Kieran. You were a people person then, and now you're just—it's all media now, isn't it? You'd, you turned exactly. to Eamon Holmes. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking forward to uh, abusing referees and arguing about VAR in a couple of weeks more than anybody else in the country, I suspect, because I, I need a break. Yes, it's true. So you can just get back to watching football. Yeah, we're all looking back forward to watching that. And so, of course, all us Palace fans are slightly worried about Kayla the Eagle, who's with the vet as we speak. So, um, again, this is not something I'd ever thought I'd say on a on a pod. But good wishes to an eagle, an actual eagle. And we'll see you all on uh, Monday. Yes, Monday. What day is it? Lockdown. Yeah. Bye. Bye-bye, gang. The price of football.
that provides some photo ball.